Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning, Hill City Church. Happy New Year. Hey, got the brave ones in the house today, the tough ones, right? The, the, uh, the cold's not going to scare us. Our sister church up in Ames, Iowa, in case you're wondering, is minus four up there this morning. They didn't cancel. They're going. They're tough. We're here. Whoo! All right, it's New Year's. Maybe some new people. My name is Brad. I'm lead pastor at Hill City. I want you to know right out of the gate, I have two things I want to do. I want us to hear and get today. I don't do New Year'sy stuff. Okay, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I'm not really. It's just kind of another day. Always has been. I go to bed early on New Year's Eve. So today, this sermon is kind of the most New Year'sy thing that I will ever do, probably again in my life. All right, um, and there are two things I want us to get right out of the gate 2022 all right first I'm gonna pray and then we'll jump into this God we love you and we thank you that your mercies are new every morning not just every new year and we rest in that and we're gonna go to your word today we're gonna fix our eyes upon you this morning and I pray God that you will work work in this room God, thank you for the cold. Thank you for the snow. May, God, without it, we would not appreciate as much the warm days and the gifts of warmth that you will give us. May we see you in everything. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So when I was 10 months old, uh, my mother and myself and my sister, who was 15 months older than me, so you can do the math, I was 10 months old, And the three of us were in a car wreck. A drunk driver hit us on a motorcycle, and my mother was killed in a car wreck when I was 10 months old. Uh, She was 20, and my father was 22. So here you have this 22-year-old man now with two children uh, widowed. A couple years later, my father had met a woman, and coincidentally, she uh, had two kids as well. They were One was my age and one was a little bit older. But her husband had been murdered. This is what happened. And they met in church. And two people who undeniably were suffering from PTSD, no question about it, we know that now. They never received counseling from the trauma or tragedy that happened in their life. They met... They were married, and this new, unique family was formed. Her kids, her and her kids, him and his kids, they were married. They had a kid who's my youngest brother. And I can look back on this situation, and I can, because I'm going to say some things. I want you to understand something. I'm not complaining. I'm uh, I'm not telling you this to make you sad. I can look back at my family story and see God's grace all over it. But, but there is a reality to this story, too. So one example is, is I was never really close to my mother. She cared for us well. It's the only mother that I ever knew. She, I'm not in any way trying to dishonor her or my parents this morning. I just want to let you get a little sneak peek here. She cared for us well, but there just wasn't this maternal connection. The maternal connection is actually still today a hard concept for me to grasp. 
So, so these two people were married, and my father and my stepmother, and then I was raised in a very super legalistic home. Now, what do I mean by that? I'll just give you some examples. Uh, we did not have a television. I was not allowed to go to movie theaters. I was not even allowed to wear shorts. The women in my family were not allowed to wear makeup. We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, visitation on Thursday night, and they did these week-long things they used to call revivals. And I went on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, every time. That was my life. And then they had these things called singings, where like, okay, on a Friday night, a bunch of like gospel people would get together and they would just sing, gospel groups, mostly southern gospel groups. So today, I still have a a little disdain for southern gospel music. If you like it, that's awesome. I just have PTSD over southern gospel music. I had to sneak to high school dances until my senior year. I think by then they just gave up. My family dynamic, and I could tell you so much more. You want to go grab coffee, you want to go do lunch, I can do that. But my family dynamic growing up was, I'll just say this, it was wonky in a lot of ways. So there you go. There's some insight, maybe some understanding, and now you, okay, why I am the way that I am. My story, my past affected me greatly. Maybe you can look at me now and go, okay, I'll just, I'll give the guy a little empathy, right? I see why he's a little nuts. Which takes us to our passage today, and and bear with me, I'll get to to the things that I really want us to go away with today, but one of my favorite stories in the Bible is not just a story, it happened. It's the story of the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria. And it's in John chapter 4. And I'll summarize the first part, and then I'll pick up. But, but she goes to the well uh, to get water, and Jesus is there, and he's like, hey, give me a drink. And she's like, I'm a Samaritan woman. What are you, what are you even doing asking me to give you a drink? And Jesus proceeds to tell her who he is, a little glimpse. He doesn't fully tell her yet, but he's like, Hey, if you knew who was asking, I think, I think you, would, you would respond a little differently. <laughs> he says, I have, I have water that I'll give you, and you're never going to thirst again if you drink it. And she's like, give me some of this. <laughs> I hate coming up here in the middle of the day. Jesus says, go call your husband in verse 16 and have him come. And the woman answered said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband for you have five, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now, he's not even your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. Hill City, believe Jesus. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, Hill City, and now it is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people, Hill City, to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus, or just then the disciples came back. They marveled 
that he was talking with this woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So I could be off here. I don't, think I, I don't think I am. I think there's a cultural shift going on even within the American church because I see the shift happening, happening in just culture as it is. So it, it always infiltrates the church in some way or another. But I see a shift going from being gospel-centered for those churches who actually were ever gospel-centered, okay? And just so you know, Hill City is a gospel-centered church. But I see a sh- I've seen a shift in the American church, and I think I just want to make us aware of this this morning. And we shift from being gospel-centered to me-centered. So humbly and graciously this morning, I would ask you to just allow me to do some shepherding as we jump into 2000. And 22. And I want you to understand today is not a call. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not calling you out. This is where God is working on my heart. And I think as a pastor, I just want to call us up to something. 2022. And this is the first thing I want us to get. We need to make sure that we remain a gospel centered church. We must remain a gospel-centered church. we got to prioritize remaining a Jesus-centered church. If we get off even one degree today, where will that put us five years from now? So what happens if you get off just, just one degree from being gospel-centered, and then you live and you live and you live, and now you're off, and all of a sudden you turn around five years and you go, where, how, how did I get here? And you're joyless, and you're miserable, and you wonder, how did I get here? And it is my heart that that does not happen here at Hill City Church. Gospel-centered, what is that? The gospel, that God created a perfect world. He then created us, and we were still perfect. We were in perfect fellowship with God. We were made for that fellowship, and then we went our own way because we wanted to be God. We tried to be God. And from that day forward, from Genesis chapter 3, every one of us were born sinners, born far from God. And the reality is this, guys, we all, not some of us, we all have significant baggage. We all have significant trauma. We have significant issues. Whatever you want to call it, that's what sin does. And we all come with that. But God knew this. Again, we're still right in the middle of the gospel. God knew this. What did he do? He sent his son, Jesus, Romans 5.8. says, but God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, chapter 8. We're going to be in Ephesians all this semester, starting next week. It's going to be incredible. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is good news. It's the greatest news we're ever going to hear in our lives. Stay with me. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And the good news is this. Jesus came, and he conquered the power of of sin. I got to say it again. Jesus came and he conquered the power of sin. 
That's the gospel. This is what we have to keep central in our lives and in this church. So back to, the, back to John chapter 4. Jesus comes. He goes to this well where the Samaritan woman was going to be. And one of the reasons I love this story so much, it's right there in front of us. This Samaritan woman, this woman at the well, she had a past. Oh, I've got a past. She had trauma. She had a family history. She had a family of origin. All the stuff, she had it. But she didn't perform. She didn't earn anything from Jesus. Here's what happened simply in the story I just read for. Let's boil it down. Jesus told the Samaritan woman who she was. And then Jesus told the Samaritan woman who he was. That's what happened. By the way, we're going to be in Ephesians all next semester. Ephesians is going to do that for us. It's going to tell us. Jesus through Ephesians is going to tell us who we are. And Jesus through Ephesians is going to tell us who he is. And what, what happened? This woman hears, and by faith, she believed this. By faith, she believed that Jesus was enough. By faith, she believed that Jesus was everything. And she goes, and she just starts to tell people, I just met someone, and he told me everything that I've ever done. In other words, she said, I just met someone, he knew my whole story, he knew my whole past, and he still offered me living water. So here's some really good news. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, if you were with us last semester, there's nothing hidden from the sight of God. He knows everything that you've ever done. He knows your story. He knows your past. He knows your trauma, and he still offers you living water. He even goes on to say in Hebrews, once you believe by faith like the Samaritan woman, he says, I'm not, he's not ashamed to call you his. He wasn't ashamed of this Samaritan woman's story. He wasn't ashamed of her past. He called her his. Now listen, this is important. What was the response of the Samaritan woman? She had heard, I got to worship, oh, wait, wait a minute, he's looking for someone who will worship him in spirit and in truth, and now's the time. Here's what we know didn't happen. You need to get this this morning. This woman did not become stuck in her story. Jesus was the center for her from that day forward. How do I know this? I didn't read it. Go to verse 42 in chapter 4. This is huge. This is how we know this woman did not get stuck in her story. So 29, I left off. She's running, and she's saying, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now look in verse 42. Now let's pick up, let's pick up in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. That's huge. Did we, did we catch this? She didn't become stuck. She didn't look at her past. She didn't look at her trauma. She didn't look at her story and be like, eh, 
I know I met Jesus, but that's good for me. But Why? Because Jesus was the center. And here's the reality, guys. I don't know what happened in this lady's life. The Bible doesn't tell us. We read about all the husbands that she had. But the reality is in this culture, uh, most of that may not even have been her fault. Like culturally divorced back then and all, it was way different than what it is today. So I don't know what her story was. I just know this. After meeting Jesus, this woman took responsibility. In other words, let me word that a different way. After meeting Jesus, she had the ability for a proper response. She took responsibility. And she did not become stuck in her story. I know women were second-class citizens back then. Women, if they, if they just like didn't make a meal properly, men could punt them to the streets. So don't, we can't read this story and think, oh, what a floozy. Oh, well, she just, she, she's just running from man to man to man. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not. My point is this. There could be a lot in her story that wasn't her fault. Either way, We know her response was this. She followed Jesus with her whole heart. Jesus was the center of her life. So so maybe let's talk about some yellow flags. Yellow flags, man, am I, is Brad headed to a me-centered way of living? Are you heading to a me-centered way of living? Are we as a church shifting into me-centeredness? I don't see this happening. I'm just looking at the horizon going, man, we got to be careful. I think this is safe to say. I think it is plausible to say that we are living in likely the most narcissistic age of our time. Is this fair? that's That's a reasonable thing to say. If you look at social media and just... It's just, it just is, okay? Listen, culturally, we love us some us. Fair enough? Let's look at the Enneagram. Why? Because I can learn about me. Let's look at this thing. And anything that puts me at the center, it's very attractive. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about my story. I want to talk about my trauma. I want to talk about my family of origin. I want to talk about, listen, and I'm not even saying these things are bad. I'm saying we just have to pay very close attention. So, so let's, let's talk family of origin. Okay, if you're like, well, what the heck are you even talking about? Basically, this is, this is a popular thing to talk about. This is like just looking at the people and the environment in which you were raised. And it's helpful don't get me wrong, okay? And, but, but a lot of, I think a big reason that it's fun to look at is because it's not our fault. We did not pick our parents. We did not pick our family of origin. So, so, so naturally, the human nature would be, yes, let me look at the things that aren't my fault and let's live in those. But, but let's just stop right there. And if we look at parenting, okay, we have a lot of parents in here, a lot of people who are soon to be parents, a lot of people who wish to be parents one day, I just want to tell you some facts really quickly. Here we go. Here are four facts about parenting. 
Fact number one, parenting is hard. Parents, here's fact number two, parents mess up their kids in some way. You could be the greatest parent in the world. You could write books on parenting. In some way, you are going to mess up your kids. Fact number four, I'm messing my kids up right now. I'm not pointing at people. I'm saying in some way I am messing my kids up. Here's what I want to tell us. Is how about we do this? How about we are the people of God and we just give our parents some grace? How about we forgive our parents this morning? 2022, maybe this is the first day of your life that you're going to forgive your parents. Then ask God to give you grace. And then if you're a parent, just don't repeat the same things that you think your parents did incorrectly. Why am I bringing this up? Stay with me because what happens is when we look at the things in our lives that happened to us, and really if you go back to what I said, they didn't really happen to us if we're the people of God, they happened for us. But if we look at those things that were not our fault, one of them being like family of origin, we keep talking about them, we keep blaming those circumstances, here's what happens, we can become stuck, we can become slow, we can become sluggish in our faith. In our growth, what do I mean by that? Let me give you a couple weird proverbs. I think I can make them make sense. Proverbs 22, 13. The sluggard says, or the sluggish, or the slow, says there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. He repeats a similar proverb in chapter 26, verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. That's it. Maybe, maybe you didn't catch that. The sluggard says, Well, I have a bad past. Okay. Well, the sluggard says, well, if you knew how rotten my parents were, I believe you. There's a lion in the streets. But what now? Are you with me? No, but there's a lion in the streets. Yep. Did you not hear me? There's a lion in the streets. I know. Yeah, there's a lion in the streets. Okay. See, this is, this is sad, and this is tragic, because we do this with our past. We do this with our stories. We do this with our trauma, and the reality is, the, and when we are gospel-centered, we look at this and we understand that God wants to redeem our past, every bit of it. He can redeem it, and he wants to lead us to become more like Jesus. But what happens is when we focus too much on our past, when we focus too much on our old story, we get stuck and we miss out on what God has for us. But my parents did this, or my parents didn't do this. Hear me, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is part of me staying gospel-centered. Are you ready? If great parenting was the answer, we wouldn't need Jesus. 
Okay. If a great marriage was the answer, we wouldn't need Jesus. If great community was the ultimate answer, we wouldn't need Jesus. If great counseling was the answer, we wouldn't need Jesus. Now listen, everything I just mentioned to you, we will talk about those things in 2022. Those are good things. I like awesome parenting. I'm really into great marriages. I like counseling. I like great community. We will talk about those things in the coming new year because they're good things, but they're not the ultimate things. And if those were our answer, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. That's part of staying a gospel-centered church. So, listen, I love you. I love you. I love Hill City. I love you. I could just go to individual. I love you. I love you. I love you. So I'm just a shepherd's heart, please. Because this is a call up. This is not a call out. This is me looking on the horizon going, hey, pastor's got to warn. There's danger over there. There, there. Listen, there could be wolves over there. There could be predators over there. It's important. So listen, it is important to identify and understand ourselves That's good. It's important to identify and understand our emotions, our past trauma, our family of origin, whatever it is, with the purpose of those things being redeemed and us being transformed. The danger is that when we focus too much on those things and focus too much on ourselves, in other words, becoming me-centered, this causes me to focus less on my Redeemer and more on me. What this will do is it will quench the thorough work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't want that, guys. Listen, I'm speaking from experience. As one who has done this and quenched the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, So let's go back. To, why did I tell you that story of my life? Because one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from a godly man, he said, Brad, so much of what you told me isn't your fault, but it is now your responsibility. I went, If I am stuck, it is my responsibility to get unstuck. And here's what I mean by this. I'm not trying to sound harsh or mean. It is my responsibility to remember the one who loves me. So for me, it is easy. Listen, you guys know, those of you who know me well, you know I have this tendency. It's easy for me to focus on the negative. It's easy for me to focus on the bad, especially the stuff going on in the world or around me or my life that that maybe isn't my fault, that I feel like I didn't deserve. But what I have to do and what I can do is I can choose to focus on the one who loves me with the love that I don't deserve. And here is, listen, the Bible gives us, oh, I love the Bible, Romans 8, 37. No, in all things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us, not through myself. I have to remove myself from the center of my life. 
Let me say it this way. Me and my story, they are not bad things, but me and my story, they're not about me anyway. Now that's, that's hard to get. Me and my story is not about me. My story isn't about me. It was until I met Jesus. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. So how do we get this right? Because the way that's right, the way that seems right to man is this. No, I am the center of my story. No, that, listen, that end of that way of thinking is death. So how do we get this right? The answer is simply no. Let's start with knowing. Now listen, John chapter 4 verse 10. This was a huge, huge sentence that Jesus said. Jesus answered, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, if you knew. Jesus says to her, if you only knew you would leave all this misery behind. 2 Peter chapter 3.18 says that we're supposed to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, let's grow and in the grace and in the knowing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do we know him, Hill City? I'm not talking about, hey, have you, have you been saved? Have you passed from death to life? I'm saying, do we know him? And listen, if the answer is no... Neither did the woman at the well at first. And Jesus was right in front of her, talking to her. She didn't know. But once she did know, she left her misery behind. That's the call. We can leave our misery behind. And not knowing Jesus is a miserable place to be. How about we do this? Let's remain gospel-centered in 2022. And if we do that, we will know Jesus. Now, when we know Jesus, here's the second thing of the day, and we're going to wrap it up. Are you ready? So the first thing is we've got to remain a gospel-centered church 2022. How do we do that? By knowing him. And when we know him, he will be the king. He will be the king. So let's just talk about some cultural liturgies for a minute. Cultural liturgies, because to the world, Jesus is not king. And they have their own liturgies. And here they are. You are the king of your life. There's a cultural liturgy. We hear it everywhere we go. Here's another one. You live your truth. I don't even know what that means. Do what makes you happy. There's another cultural liturgy. You first, then others. There's a cultural liturgy. But see, here's what happens. When Jesus is king, he becomes king of all. He's the king of my time. He's the king of my money. He's the king of my relationships. He's the king of my emotions. He's the king of my story. Okay, I know we're up against it, but listen. Can we just talk about like our story and emotions really quickly, okay? Um, 
So it was Christmas. Imagine, I didn't do this, but imagine if I would have gotten the Lotes kids some puppy dogs, right? I love puppy dogs. I think puppy dogs are awesome. I'm into puppy dogs. And imagine if I would have bought the Lotes kids some puppy dogs, and here they come in, walking them on a leash, and they're having fun, and they're good, and they're, they're helpful, and they're fun, and they're awesome, and they were great gifts. But see, what happened is we just ate supper, and now the dishes got to be done. And Dad says, hey, uh, I need you to do the dishes. Now imagine if the Lotes kids looked at their dad and said, well, I would love to. They won't let me. Okay, now a lot of you know me. So I'm going to be like, you talking about those dogs that I just got you for Christmas won't let you do what I just told you to do? Is that what, okay. Now listen, this isn't apples to apples, but stay with me here. I think sometimes we take our stories, I think sometimes we take our emotions and we, we have them on a leash and it's like God calls us to do certain things and we're like, Lord, I, I would love to do this, but they won't let me. Here's what I know to be true. When I put myself at the center, when I put myself, when my story rules and my emotions rule, when I am in charge, fact, I'm miserable. And you need to hear this this morning. It is absolutely possible to live the Christian life and not be miserable. And I'm telling you, my childhood experience challenges this truth. But it is absolutely possible. But Jesus has to be king. And this is the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. Are you ready for this? He's a really good king. He's actually a perfect king. And he's going to love me better than I can love myself. Now here are some of our king's liturgies. This does not float out there. But can I give you some of the king's liturgies? We good? We have time for this? Are you ready? Okay. Lose your life in order to gain it. If anyone would be first, he actually must be last of all. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vacancy. Esteem others better than yourselves. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Love does not insist on its own way. See, there are some of our king's liturgies. See how different that is? See how that, listen, those liturgies take us out of the center. And that's what we must do. He offered this woman living water. She came to the well for water. But after meeting Jesus, look what she did in verse 28. You can miss this. Jesus says, here's who I am, verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away in the town to tell people the truth. She, she thought she came to the well to get a jar of water. And she met Jesus, and she just ran off and left her jar. Why? Because she trusted her king more than she trusted herself. Do I trust my king more than myself? Man, I hope so. I want 2022 to be a year that I make sure that I'm trusting my king more than myself. If you're serving communion, I want you to come down.
We have to remain a gospel-centered church. Not just in word only. I hope in 2022 that the gospel will mean so much to us that we will never get upset when our gatherings go long because we have multiple baptisms. I hope the gospel will mean so much to us that we will get as excited about Giacomo going to, to Paraguay to plant a church as we do, as we get excited about anything that happens here at Hill City. I hope that the gospel means so much to us individually and as a church that we, we will forget our water jars. I know college students aren't here, but you know what's funny about all these college students? They think they're coming here to go to college and get a degree. They brought their water jars. You know what we want them to do in four years? Run out of here, leave their water jar, and do something they never thought they came to Springfield to do. The gospel has to mean that much to us. Let's pray that it will. Let's pray that it does. Let's pray that it will. May Jesus be the king of our lives. Let's stand.